Last week, we had our introduction to this season, and we said that our underlying theme in this season is courage. And so I, I encouraged all of you to get yourself a little journal, um, a little book that you could keep. You might want to call it your courage journal. Maybe you just want to keep notes on your mobile device or iPad, whatever that is great. You can do that as well. But I do encourage you to take notes throughout this season and then also to write down the things that God's nudging your heart to step out in courageously. And I just believe that by the end of this season, you're going to see uh, this section in your journal where you've got these things that God asked you to step out in that you actually did and then you write what happened as a result of stepping out courageously and you're going to see how God used you in amazing ways because of your courage all right all right that was so weak <laughs> all right God is going to use all of you I am very confident of it okay let's just pray together this morning Father, right now, we just open our hearts wide to you. And God, we ask you to speak to us. We are so grateful for your word. Your word is life to us. And Father, we open our hearts right now, and we just ask you to speak to us personally, individually, through your word. Have your way in our lives, God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. All right, well, last week in our season introduction, we really just focused in on our, our key scripture for this season, which is Joshua 1.9. And let me read that to you this morning from the Amplified Bible. It says, Have not I commanded you? Be strong, vigorous, and very courageous. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you you wherever you go. And last week we took time to really break that verse down and talk about it and talk about the fact that God did create each and every one of us to be full of strength and courage. His strength that is within us makes us courageous and we can be courageous. We don't have to be fearful knowing that he is with us. And so if you weren't here last week, I just encourage you to listen to the season introduction, to hear the heartbeat of where we're going in this season. You can listen on the website or on the podcast. The messages are always posted on the Chick Connection Facebook page as well. But I encourage you to do that if you missed out on last week. So this week, <clears throat> since that verse is the Lord speaking to Joshua, we are going to start by looking at the life of Joshua. And throughout this series, we're going to be looking at the lives of different men and women in the Bible who lived courageous lives and therefore walked into the purposes that God had for them. But I thought it would be good if we start with the life of Joshua since our foundation scripture comes from his life. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm trying to like cover the mic and it's so not working. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So Joshua, what we're going to do is we are going to look at different scenes of his life. But first of all, Joshua 
Let's just take a moment to recognize a couple things about his life. Joshua, it could be said, was a disciple of Moses because Moses really took him under his wing. Moses poured into him everything that God spoke to him. He poured straight into Joshua's life. He took him under his wing. He mentored him. Joshua was a person of great talent and ability. He was a warrior. He was a leader. He was a prophet. Yet, many Bible commentaries agree that Joshua was very insecure, that he lacked confidence in himself, that he was filled with inner doubts, and he was lacking inner strength. Wow. I mean, I think Joshua's life is, is just the picture of courage. But you see, he had people surrounding him, speaking courage into his life. Moses told him to be strong and courageous. God, on numerous occasions, told him to be strong and very courageous. The Jewish people told him to be strong and courageous. It was like everywhere he turned, everyone was telling him, be strong and full of courage. And maybe you're here this morning, and you feel a little weak on the inside. You feel a little like you're lacking confidence lacking a little inner strength. Maybe you don't feel so strong and courageous this morning. I want you to know that God is speaking to you. Be strong and very courageous. I believe that God orchestrated and ordained for you to be here today, to get the message through to you. And he's just saying, okay, sweetheart, it's time to rise up with new strength, to rise up with new courage. And I believe throughout this season, he is just going to infuse our hearts. As we surrender and cooperate with him, he wants to infuse our hearts with strength and courage. And so God is speaking that to us. But ladies, we need to be speaking that to each other as well. You know, Moses had people on every, I mean, Joshua had people on every side speaking that to him. We need to be speaking that to each other as well. At your tables, during your time of discussion, be encouraging each other to be strong and very courageous. When you encounter each other during the week outside of Chick Connection, and you say, what's happening? What's going on in your life? And then encourage each other. Okay, that's awesome. Now you can do it. Be strong and courageous. I'll be praying for you. We need to be encouraging each other as well. And then, you know what? We need to be speaking that to ourselves as well. We need to be putting that verse where we can see it every day. Do any of you ever need to give yourselves a little talking to? Because I need to do it all the time. We need to be telling ourselves, okay, be strong and very courageous. We need to be reminding ourselves. And I am confident if Joshua's life can be such an amazing picture of courage, so can each and every one of ours. So today, let's look at some scenes from Joshua's life and learn some lessons that we can apply to our own lives, okay? Today, we're going to start out, we're just going to look at the first two scenes of Joshua's life. And I know last week we talked about, you know, if you wanted to be reading through Joshua this month, that would be awesome. Read one chapter a day. That's fantastic if you have started that. 
you will be a little bit ahead of us because today we're going to go back and look at some of the things that happened in Joshua's life before we even get to the book of Joshua. So today we're going to be looking at Exodus 17 and at Numbers 13. If you want to turn to those, mark those in your Bible, and we will get to those in just a few moments. The first scene from Joshua's life that we want to look at is the battle against the Amalekites. Now, many of you may remember the story of Moses on the hilltop and he raised his arm, his hand with the rod of God. And as he had his arms raised, the down below, the war was taking place, the battle was taking place. And when his hands were raised, the Israelites prevailed. And when his hands lowered, the Amalekites prevailed. And then his arms started to get a little weary. And so Aaron and her helped hold up his arms. You remember hearing that story? Well, the battle that was raging below was the battle with the Amalekites. And it was Joshua who was leading that battle. And this is the very first mention of Joshua in the Bible. And so in Exodus 17, we're going to start in verse 8. If you've got your Bibles, that's great. If not, the verses will be on the screens. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now, Moses selects Joshua from among the Israelites. And he just says to him, Go Choose men for an army and fight Amalek. Like, can you imagine? Joshua had no training or experience that we know of in fighting in battle, let alone leading an army in battle, choosing men for battle. And then, can you imagine if he just chose them and said, okay, let's go? It'd be chaos. He had to come up with strategy for battle. He had never had experience with that to our knowledge. Can you imagine the excuses he could have had? I'm not qualified. I've never been trained. That's too huge. That's too dangerous. That's too big for me. There's no way I could never, ever do that. He could have had all kinds of excuses. He also could have just grumbled and complained about the whole thing because that's kind of the way the Israelites roll. If you read through the children of Israel, that is their way of life. Grumbling, complaining, grumbling, complaining. But he didn't make excuses. He didn't grumble and complain. He was immediately willing and obedient. How do we respond when God gives us an assignment? And I dare say most of our assignments are not as dangerous or life-threatening as Joshua's assignment. Some of our assignments might be, come on, honey, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Get into the Word every day. Some of our assignments might be, spend some time praying. Pray for this person. Share your story with this person. Share your faith with this person. Help someone. 
volunteer. Step out of your comfort zone. Sign up to lead a connect group. There's so many different things God might be asking us to do. And what do we do? Maybe some of you wrote down some things last week as we talked about the things that God's speaking to you to step out in. How are you responding? Are you making excuses? Are you grumbling? Are you dragging your feet? Or are you immediately willing and obedient? Wow, that's what Joshua did. How do you respond when leaders around you have an assignment for you? Maybe it's something that's needed, but you feel unqualified or too busy, or it's just not really your thing and you don't really feel like it. Sometimes we decline opportunities and end up sabotaging our future because God is just looking for our willingness. And that just might be the very thing that positions us for his next assignment for us. I am not saying that we need to do every single thing that anyone ever asks us to do, but we do need to have an open heart to God and what he is asking of us because he will send assignments through people today, just like he did through Moses to Joshua. But one thing we can always be sure of, if it's a God assignment, it will be in perfect alignment with his word. It will never contradict his word. And when I look back over my life and see the things that I was asked to do throughout my life by youth leaders, by college staff, by church leaders, I can tell you that they were not all things that I really felt like doing. They were not all things that I felt qualified to do. In fact, most often I did not feel qualified. They were not all things that I felt comfortable doing. I very seldom felt comfortable stepping out in any of those new things. But they were things that were needed for God's purposes. There were things that were in alignment with his word. And as I was willing to step out, I can look back and see how each one of those things positioned me for the next assignment God had for me. And then the next and the next and the next, carrying me into his purposes for my life. You see, our willingness and our obedience will position us for what's next. That's what happened with Joshua. His willing obedience positioned him for what was next. Because the very next thing in scripture about Joshua is in Exodus 24, where he is referred to as Moses' assistant. He was given greater responsibility, leadership, and authority. Ladies, let's learn from Joshua and have courage to be immediately willing and obedient interesting how God just speaks his message to us in different ways. How similar is this to what we heard on Sunday about obedience and that partial obedience is disobedience. I think God's just speaking to us and saying, come on, 
rise up with courage to just say yes, to be immediately willing and fully obedient when I ask you to do something. You see, he's with us. He's in us. He knows that we can do it, not because of us, but because of him. Another thing I want us to notice about this scene of Joshua's life was, think about this, was Joshua fighting his battle alone? The battle with the Amalekites? No, of course he had the army with him, but that's not all. What was happening on that hilltop was evidence that God was fighting the battle with Joshua. Joshua was willing and obedient to do his part, but then God did the rest. And ladies, when we're courageous enough to step out and do our part, we can be confident that God will do the rest. We don't need to overanalyze it. We don't need to overthink our lack of qualifications, our lack of training. What if, all the, what if I mess up? What if this? What if that? We can overanalyze it. Is there anyone else in the room who does that? We don't have to do that. We don't have to analyze. We don't have to be afraid. If we do our part, we can be confident that God will do his part. Joshua saw the victory in battle. And we will see victory in the situations that God asks us to step out in. Because as we do, he will do his part. All right, next scene in Joshua's life that I want us to look at this morning is where Joshua was sent in to spy out the land. We see this in Numbers 13. The Lord told Moses to send men in to spy out the land of Canaan, the promised land that he was going to give to the children of Israel. And he said, send one man from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joshua just happened to be one of the 12 that was chosen. And so Moses gathers all 12 of the spies and he gives them instructions. I want you to see this. He gives the same instructions to all 12 of them and his instructions are here in Numbers, 17 and, uh, Numbers 13, starting in verse 17. Read this with me. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south. And go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell therein it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was that the season of the first, of the, the first ripe grapes. So he's telling them, okay, go check it all out. See what we got, what we're dealing with, and bring some fruit back with you, okay? He gives all 12 the same instruction. And then they go in, and they all have the same experience. And starting in verse 21, it tells us what their experience is. So let's look at this. It says, so they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rahab, near the entrance of Hamath, and they went through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Sheshai, Talmai, and the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eskol, 
and there they cut down a branch with a cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eschol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down. Okay, they did that, they came back. That was their experience. Did anybody notice in there anything about them being attacked while they were there? Anything about them being threatened while they were there? Anything horrific happening to them while they were there? Did you notice anything like that? Me neither. But when they get back, they give their report. They returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And in verse 27, then they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And they start going on about the people that are there. Like it's just daunting. Like there's all these people. There's no way. And then, verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. I didn't hear anything about devouring on their little excursion there. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Huh. That was their perspective on what they had seen. And so they're telling this to all the people of Israel. And what's the response of the people? They all lifted their voices, crying, wailing, complaining all night. They were terrified. They were angry at Moses. Why have you brought us here to this land that we're never going to be able to go into, never going to be able to inhabit? You should have just left us in Egypt to die. They went on and on, carrying on so overwhelmed and discouraged by this report. And then Moses and Aaron, they fell on their faces, so grieved in their hearts, discouraged by all the people's discouragement. And then Joshua and Caleb, the two spies who went in, let's look at their response in Numbers 14, verse 6. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They were so grieved at what was happening. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. 
only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Like, they're not going to devour us, we're going to devour them. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't fear them. So after they gave their good report, you would think the people would take a sigh of relief. Oh, okay, great, we can do this, right? Verse 10 says, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Wow. What was the Lord thinking when all this is happening? I mean, here he had done miracle after miracle after miracle for the Israelites. And with every miracle, they completely took those things for granted. And they so quickly forgot what God did. And they questioned and doubted him every step of the way. God even referred to them at one point as stiff-necked people because they had hardened their hearts towards God. And now, he says, you've refused to believe my promise. You've refused to go into the land that I have promised you. So, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the father's generation, the, this older generation, until all the fathers and that generation have died out. So that only those who are under 20 years of age, when they are the ones living, then I will take them into that promised land. He said, all of you who have seen what I've done, who should know better, who know my faithfulness, you shouldn't have doubted. He says, you're all going to die in the wilderness. But he did make an exception, except for two. Joshua and Caleb. Their lives were spared. The only two who believed God. Wow. We can really learn some great lessons from this story. And the biggest thing that strikes my heart is that Joshua had courage to believe God. To simply believe God. When everybody else was doubting except for Caleb. All the other voices were doubting God. Joshua, in verse 8, he says, God delights in us. He's going to give us the land. He's with us. We don't have to fear. He simply, purely believed God and his promises. Sometimes it takes a little courage to believe God, to let our faith really sink into his promises and recognize that they're not just for everybody else. They're for us as well. Do you really believe God's promises for you? What are the voices around you? Are there negative voices around you? Are you able to stop and really believe God's promises for you? One of the keys to Joshua being able to really believe God's promises, I think, is that he remembered what God had already done in his life. You know, it will boost your courage to believe God for bigger things when you remember what he's done, when you look back and see things he's already done in your life, when you don't lose sight of those things. 
You see, they looked out into that land, and they saw all kinds of people in that land. Did you notice who some of them were? The Amalekites. I think Joshua said, wait a minute. God, we already had victory over those in another battle. Ah, this will be a piece of cake. He knew what God had already done, and he had the courage to believe God for more. Remember what God's already done in your life. Hasn't he done miracles in your life? What has he done? Don't lose sight of it. Remind yourself of those things, and it will stir up greater courage in your life to step into more that God has for you. When we have courage to believe God, to simply believe his word, to really, really believe his promises for us, it gives us a different perspective. It really changes everything. It gives us a different perspective on our situation, a different perspective than what others may have. I mean, all 12 of these spies, they all saw the same thing. They all experienced the same thing. Ten had a negative perspective, but two believed God, and they were not afraid, and they were ready to do it. They knew they could possess the land. Maybe you need a new perspective on a situation that you're facing. Does it seem overwhelming? Does it seem a little daunting? Are you really believing God and his promises from his word for that situation? You know, his word is full of wisdom and promises that we can apply to every situation in life. What are his promises to you? He's with you. He's for you. He's on your side. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He says if you need wisdom, simply ask and he'll give it liberally. He says he's our healer, our deliverer, our redeemer, our restorer. Our provider, he is all that we need. What are his promises in your situation? Are you really, really believing them? Believing them for yourself, not just for others. Courage to really believe God will impact our perspective. It will change our perspective on our situation. Courage to believe God also gives us a different perspective on ourselves. You know, the ten said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. That's what they thought, because that's how they saw themselves, but in reality, that was not true. We'll see later in this series that the people in the land were afraid of them, but they never even knew that because their focus was so fixed on how they saw themselves and how inadequate they felt. How we see ourselves is how we assume others will see us. Joshua and Caleb, they saw themselves as able because they believed God. How do you see yourself? When we believe that God is with us, that God is for us, we will see ourselves as fully able because it's not about us in and of ourselves. It's God within us that makes us able to walk into whatever he calls us to do. You are able to do whatever his next assignment is for you. 
Is he really believing God? Having courage to totally, full-heartedly believe God will change everything in our lives. Our perspective on our situation, on ourselves, on how others see us, on everything. But likewise, refusing to believe what God says will also affect everything. And it will sabotage our future. The ten spies refused to believe God. Their hearts were discouraged rather than filled with courage. And it cast a negative light on absolutely everything in their lives. And their negativity was contagious. The negativity overshadowed the, the situation. It overshadowed how they saw themselves. It overshadowed how they thought they were seen. And it was contagious by others. And then the multiplied negativity that was caught by thousands of others then only became more negative because there was more grumbling, more complaining, more anger towards Moses, more resentment, and it determined the next 40 years. And it caused thousands to lose their lives. And they were unable to walk into what God had for them, unable to experience God's promises for their life because they refused to believe God. Ladies, we've got to recognize how powerful believing God is. And it's time to be able to just rise up and have courage to fully believe God for ourselves. It will impact every area of our lives. And one last thing I want us to notice about this story. What was the result of Joshua's courage. You see, Joshua's courage in this scene of his life, it brought a good report. It caused him to be ready to go in and possess the land. But nobody seemed to care about his report, did they? They wanted to stone him. Nobody wanted to go in and possess the land with he and Caleb. So what did his courage benefit him? It spared his life. He and Caleb are the only ones in their generation who lived, and they were able to walk into the promised land. Now, before they were able to walk into the promised land, they still had to wait 40 years. That probably seemed like a really long wait, don't you think? We don't like to wait five minutes, do we? But God was preparing him for his next assignment, which was huge. Have you ever felt like, I've believed God. I've, I've had the right perspective. I've, I've done everything right. I've done everything I've known to do. Why am I not going forward? Why am I not possessing the promise? What's the holdup? What's going on? What's the delay? Have you ever been there and felt like that? It could have been how Joshua felt. But I want to tell you today, do not get discouraged. Be full of courage in the waiting process. Because God will use that time to prepare you for what's ahead. So guard your heart. Don't get frustrated. Don't get angry at God. But open your heart and say, okay, God, what do you want to do in me in this time? Do in me all that you need to do so that I'm ready for what you have next. And he will do it. He, 
used Joshua to do some amazing things in the next scene of his life, which we will look at next week. But ladies, let's learn from his life. Let's learn from these lessons from his life. Let's respond when God asks us to do something with immediate, willing obedience. Let's step out and do our part, trusting, knowing, confident that he will do his part. And let's have courage to wholeheartedly believe God for ourselves, even when others around us don't. It'll change everything in our lives. I want to pray for you this morning. Would you just close your eyes just right where you're at? Father, we just come before you right now. And God, I am so thankful for the examples that you give us in your word. The example of Joshua. Maybe in and of himself, he felt inadequate. He felt weak. But God, he chose to take on your strength and your courage. God, help us to be women who will do that. Who will respond to whatever you ask of us, God that we'll respond immediately, that we won't make excuses, we won't drag our feet, but we'll respond with immediate, willing obedience. And Father, God, I just pray that as each of these women do that, that as they step out courageously into what you have, God, that you would meet them right there, that you would be faithful to do your part, just as you did with Joshua when he was fighting the battle with the Amalekites. God, we trust you. We thank you for your faithfulness. And God, I pray that each and every one of us in this place today, that our hearts would expand to truly believe what you say about us. And God, that any of us who might be here today feeling inadequate, feeling insufficient, viewing ourselves as less than able, having a perspective of ourselves as less than what you have, God, I pray that you would help us to recognize that we need to believe your word and believe what you say about us and who we are in your word, who you say we are. Father, I pray our hearts would expand this morning to believe you more fully, God, to believe your promises for us more fully, God. And Father, I just pray that each and every one of us would be willing, even this week, to step out courageously each day into things that you ask of us. God, that every step of the way, we would just continue to walk into the fullness of your plans, your purposes, and your promises for our lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.